Good morning, good morning. Acts chapter 16. Our text today will be from verse 16 down through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Is my mic on? Is that good? Welcome everyone. Sorry to the two um, Michigan Wolverines fans that are in the room here, uh, Pastor Nick and Sean. Sean looks a little tired. He was at the game last night, and uh, that was a tough one. <clears throat> Interesting this morning that we're talking about how God actually allows bad things. God actually allows at times bad things, and then good to come as a result of the bad. Um, I joke with my wife, it was, it was literally a couple months after we got married that I started to go bald. Um, pretty quickly, and, and it just continued, and so I've been bald for a number of years, all right, Scott, there's a few, few of us, but this morning when we woke up and there was no water anywhere in Woolrich, I'm good to go. <laughs> God allows good to come from bad. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. There's no water. How do you brush your teeth? Do you ever brush your teeth with coffee, Dr. Gone? I don't know if that's going to be something we want to start by way of a habit or not, but it is really cool. You got to try that sometime, okay? God allows good to come from bad. That is our whole subject that we're looking at today, and we really need the Lord's help. Thank you, my little brother Cameron, for playing one of my favorite hymns. Crown him with many crowns. Wendy whispered, he's really getting good on the trumpet. <clears throat> he is. Thank you for that. Let's bow our heads and pray together as a family. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for each person that is here today. I want to thank you, Lord, that it's because of your grace and it is through your mercy that you have allowed us to be born in a place of freedom. Um, we do, Lord, lift up our country right now. I pray for our leaders. Um, in, many, in many aspects, it looks as if we are leaderless. And Father, I would ask that in your sovereignty, you would allow there to be a sense of order so that you would be glorified and that we see your hand over us and we can give testimony of your greatness and of your grace. Father, I pray, Lord, as we will examine today about times of difficulty, of hardship, times of darkness. Lord, I pray specifically right now, and you know what every single person that's in this room is going through. Lord, some that are trapped in cells of darkness. God, I would ask that you would minister to them, that you would encourage them, that you would offer a reminder of your plan and your purpose that you would offer a means of escape and that we, Lord, would understand that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Now, Father, I pray for this community that is ensnared in the darkness of many sins. I pray, Lord, for men who are preaching the gospel. I pray, Lord, for um, the transforming gospel to permeate hardened hearts and that this place would be transformed, that we would strive to be examples of godliness and holiness to those that we come in contact with. 
Uh, Father, I thank you for your word. It, it amazes me. Every single day I open it up and you have something precious to speak to me about. And I thank you for that. And I would pray, Lord, that in these few moments together that we as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, would understand that you as our Heavenly Father have a clear and a powerful message for us to, to hear and to learn from. Father, would you be glorified in these moments? We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God is sovereign over all. And we will see, as I've told you already, that in God's complete sovereignty, He makes good results come from bad circumstances. We have been tracking throughout the book of Acts in our series, The Church in Action, uh, the Apostle Paul, I call them his posse. Uh, they have changed in characters. It was Paul and Barnabas. It is now Paul and Silas and Paul and Timothy. We know that Luke has joined them. I am reminded of the words that Paul writes later on in Romans chapter 8. I just, just reminded you of them in our prayer. Paul says this, and he knew something about hardship and darkness and discouraging times. All things, and in my Bible that word all is underlined. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. I don't know about you, but I've asked the question on many occasions, how can that really be? How can that happen? How does that work? The truth is, as we are reminded of a circumstance way back in the Old Testament, I think of one of my favorite Bible characters in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph, who was sold into slavery, and Joseph, who was lied about, and Joseph, in a sense, through God's sovereignty, was what? He was elevated to a position of, of prominence. And he stands before his brothers, bowed before him. And in Genesis chapter 45, he says this, what? What you, or what man meant for evil against me, here it is, God meant it for good, regardless of what you're facing right now. Some of the un unknowns, some of the uncertainty, some of the, the fears that rest deep inside that you don't let anyone hear about or see. What man meant for evil, God desires and not only desires, but he delights in turning those things into something that's absolutely wonderful. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere do we see this more clear than what in the message of the gospel itself. But the Lord Jesus Christ was what? He was, he was, he was beat, he bled, he suffered, he died. But as a result of that horrific circumstance, what? As a result of that, our sins are forgiven. We know the delight of the fact that Jesus Christ did not stay dead, but he rose again. So you and I, in a sense, what can let the old be passed away, all things become new, and we are to walk in the newness of life. Nowhere do we see this message of God taking horrible things, turning them into to great things, than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As hard as this may be, it is important for us to learn. We see this happen. We see this unfurled before us in our text this morning. You can pick it up. I'm not going to read it all. <clears throat> I'm going to read the significant portion of the narrative for us this morning. Acts chapter 16, we begin in verse 16. <clears throat> as we, Lucas joined them, Lucas writing, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of, of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. 
And she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Seems like a good message. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I commend you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. He dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in. The crowd joined in. In attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jeweler woke, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I want to give you three points, three main ideas to take home this morning about this subject of darkness. And the first one is this, understand speaking the truth of the gospel will result in times of darkness. First and foremost, just simply by being one who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaking the truth of the gospel will result in times of of darkness. It begins with what? As they continue to minister throughout this city of Philippi, Paul is, is annoyed that there's this young girl that is following him around, and it sounds like a innocent, almost an agreeable message. This little girl is shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Although it sounds truthful, the, the very reason that she is doing it, what, is to have attention drawn to herself and for her and her parents to gain financially, economically from this. Paul, okay, is not one to mince words. 
I think he demonstrates some patience, but after a while, he simply turns and rebukes, okay, this demon-possessed girl. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. Not only is this an annoyance to the ministry, but it's a complete distraction from the truth of the gospel. As a result of this, he is immediately, in a sense, surrounded. He is confronted. He is accosted. He is attacked on a bunch of really trumped up charges that are based in the greediness of the owners because they're going to take a hit financially. That's where the problem exists. Think about that. Money causes the problem here. It's interesting to note later on that Paul writes these words in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, that the love of money, it's called what? The root of all evil. I have no doubt that as Paul was penning those words, he was thinking of a circumstance such as this. The love of money causes all kinds of problems. Look at, comes, look at what comes as a result of these people who are greedy. The result is what? It kind of races down from verses 19 through 24. I think there's eight, eight different descriptions as far as what happened to them. Very briefly, verse 19, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged him into the marketplace before the rulers. Verse 22, it says that the crowds joined in attacking them. It says that they tore their garments off them. It says that they gave orders to beat them with rods. It says that they inflicted many blows upon them. It says that they threw them in prison, in the inner prison. That's the maximum security portion. And what? And fastened their feet in stocks. You'd say, wow, welcome to the city of Philippi. What a joy to be here. Here it is, Paul and Silas preaching the truth of the gospel, and they end up, what, in jail. I mean, it is, it is included with all of it. Guards and shackles and chains and padlocks and feet and stocks, the whole show. How Satan must have thought for a moment, well, I've got this little problem wrapped up, don't I? Just like he does all the time. Where in a moment of what? Darkness, in a moment of struggle, in a moment of strain or ache or hurt or uncertainty, Satan really feels that he is winning. Be assured in this story and with all, God in his sovereignty always will win. God in his sovereignty always will win. All things work together for good. 1563 gentleman by the name of John Fox wrote a book. Many of you are familiar with Fox's Book of Martyrs. It tells very, very detailed descriptions of martyrs, of Christians, who because of their, their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because they would not deny, because they would not recant, they were literally taken, and, and they, were, they were subject to the most horrific means of torture and death. There are literally hundreds of testimonies through that book. And we think about, well, how, how horrible is that? Think about the fact that biblical Christianity, as a result oftentimes of the martyrs, okay, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church that allowed there to be incredible growth. We see that all things work together for goods. Simply speaking, the truth of the gospel is going to what? Result in times of darkness. Secondly, remember this. Praising God for the gospel will give you joy 
in the midst of darkness. Praising God for the gospel will give you joy in the midst of darkness. It, it, It really begins to take a turn here by way of the entire narrative in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. Now, as I read that, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Did, did we not just read words like dragged off, beat with sticks, thrown down, locked up? But yet they're, they're singing. Inquiry minds would say, excuse me, how, how, excuse me, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does a wonder such as this to behold, how does this take place? The reason is this, and you can remember it, you can write it down if you want, that their joy, just like all true joy, true joy is completely independent. True joy is completely separate from any earthly circumstances. True joy, that which comes from within, is completely separate than anything that we see or hear around us. Remember this, from a human point, from a human perspective, in Acts chapter 16, by the time you get to verse 25, from a human perspective, there is absolutely nothing to be singing about. Nothing. They're locked up. They are bleeding. And yet they're singing. Why? Because as followers of Christ... As followers of Christ, as many of you this morning claim to be, what, regardless of the circumstances, there is everything, there is everything to sing about. I have read it like this. There's an old preacher back around the end of the 1800s, G. Campbell Morgan, a pastor of the Westminster Chapel from London. He traveled from London to to New York, traveled from, from England to the United States more than 54 times across the ocean in a ship. And he wrote it like this, and I quote, Any man can sing when the prison doors are open and he is set free. Any man can sing. The Christian soul sings in prison. Morgan writes very, very honestly, I think that Paul would probably have sung a solo had I been Silas. But I nevertheless see the glory and grandeur of the spirit that rises superior to all the things of difficulty and limitation. Be assured that the Holy Spirit can and will, I believe, give absolute and ultimate peace in the midst of the very, very worst circumstances. The Holy Spirit can give the strength that is needed for inner joy in the darkest of moments. Some of you at this very moment can give testimony. Lying next to or sitting next to the, the bed of a loved one who is dying, someone that is so precious to you. And yet there is a joy and a peace that only the Holy Spirit can give. I've been surrounded. I've had, I've had people surrounding uh, the, the bed of an ill person singing songs of God's amazing grace. That's exactly what these two men were doing. I, I don't know about you, but I... I just ask questions constantly. I wonder what it was that they were singing. Now, we know it wasn't Chris Tomlin or Matt Redman, okay? 
I was thinking it had to be a little bit older than that Bill Gaither, maybe. No, probably, probably a little older than some of those guys. Do we go all the way back to Charles Finney and Fanny Crosby, these great hymn writers? No, we have to go further back. You mean as far back as John Newton or Isaac Watts or Charles Wood? No, we have to go even further back. Were they singing some of the Psalms? Maybe it was the Psalm of David. David who knew something about hardship. David who knew something about heartache. Maybe it was something like Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Or perhaps it was the Psalm of Asaph who wrote Psalm 73, Psalm 74, Psalm 75, Psalm 50. It says this, The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons from the rising of the sun to its setting. Maybe that's what they were singing, just about God's sovereignty over all. Or maybe, maybe they went even further back. Maybe it was a Psalm of Moses. There's several of them. Exodus chapter 15. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says this, a Psalm of Moses. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our rock, to our God. The rock, his work is perfect. For all the ways are justice. The God of faithfulness and without sin, just. And upright. This is, this is what Moses proclaims years and years and years and years before. Regardless of what they were singing, and we have to just rest in the fact that we don't know what it was. We know specifically what they were doing. They were praying and they were singing and it was directed to God. Therefore, first point of application, we begin to really begin to ask the question, do you do this? Do, do you sing to God? Oh yeah, we just did that. No, no. Do you and I sing to God in the midst of darkness? Is that, is that our response? Do we sing to God when the clouds are heavy and thick? Or, or, or do you sing to God when it's bright and sunny? And all goes well. Do, do you only sing when there's a life of heat? What we need to remember is that in his sovereignty, God not only what allows the clouds and the thunder and the rains, but he allows what? The ease and the comfort along with the pain and the sickness. We've got to be reminded of that. Paul later on will write in the book of Romans in chapter 5, he, he, he rejoices in tribulation. I have to be perfectly honest. I don't. In my flesh, if I'm miserable, I want everyone to be miserable around me. Think of that. Think of how horrible and selfish that is. And so I'm learning. Paul says, I rejoice in tribulation. That's exactly what he does in this very circumstance when he and Silas began to sing. And look at the significance of verse 25. The prisoners... We're listening to them. Apparently, apparently we know that the guards were listening to them. And the angels were listening to them. And, and, and Satan was listening to them. Most importantly, God was listening to them. And you will never, ever, ever imagine what happens next. In verse 26, when God shows up, as he oftentimes does in great power, And the prison below 
This is the innermost portion, the most secure depths. Prison below rocks with power from above. Literally, it says this, the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. unfastened. Thirdly and finally, let me remind you of this. Trusting in the power of the gospel will bring you out of darkness. Trusting in the power of the gospel will bring you out of of the darkness. Together, I, I want us to see that there are two miracles that take place here. There are, there are two darknesses that are escaped. One is from the bondage of, of chains. And the other one is what? Is from the bondage of sin. We will see, we will see that Paul and Silas are going to be freed from jail, but not before the Philippian jailer and his entire family are freed from sin. Okay, let's kind of just Play this back. Let's rewind and kind of play this back a little bit. Here it is. Here's the event. It is, it is, it is late at night. It's dark outside. Apparently it's dark inside. It's in the middle of a prison. I'm already creeped out. Okay. I'm already scared. And then from within what in there, If you listen very carefully, it's faint at first. You can almost hear the singing. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then what happens is it's it's kind of you just barely hear it. And then it gets louder, progressively louder. Praise God. Praise Him all creatures here. And it gets louder. Whatever it was, from within the deep darkness of the caverns, there seems to be at first, it's almost like you can feel it before you hear it. There's a rumble. It's almost a dull roar. And then things begin to move and things begin to shake. The foundations of the jail were shaken. All the doors were open and all the bonds were fastened. The first bit of the description is this. And the jailer... Woke. Little hint here. Not a good sign. Okay, this is, this is not the time that one is to be sleeping on the job, especially if you are a jail guard. Little heads up here. This is not a good scene. So serious of an offense that this jailer, who is part of the, what, mighty Roman imperial, imperial army, So serious of an offense that if a jail guard lets his captives go free, it is an offense that is what? It is punishable by death. The guard knew this, and so waking up, he immediately draws a sword to run himself through. It says, to kill himself. Now, I want you to think about this. Here is a man, apparently, he has a family. We don't know to what extent. Is it his wife and his children? Are his in-laws living with him? Is he young enough that he's living with his dad and mom and brothers? We don't know. We know that there's a whole family. 
He has a home. He has a job. He has, he has some sense of responsibility and purpose. And yet he comes to a place where he is in such duress. He actually lives on a daily basis in such fear and with such hopelessness that he would actually commit suicide. Then he would face the humility and the punishment of doing a job poorly. He actually believes, he actually believes, sadly, as many people do in our society, that that's a better decision than facing what is next. Think about, talk about Satan having somebody completely duped and blinded and deceived. Satan, who what is what? He is a liar and he is a murderer from the very beginning. People believe this. We don't have to go into the statistics of the fact that suicide today is one of the leading causes of death of young people today. In our own community, past week we've, we've faced that. Such hopelessness. But thankfully what? Thankfully there is, there is a better way. There's a much better way. As this man is about to kill himself, Paul literally, he shouts, Stop! Don't do it. He says, don't hurt yourself. We are all here. First thing the jailer does is what? He calls for some lights. It's so dark in there that he, well, he hears voices. He calls for some lights. But far more importantly, does he call for some lights that he's able to see in the darkness of the jail cell? He sees for the first time into the darkness, the hopelessness of his own soul. And he asks, after he finds out that everyone is still there, he drops on his knees. It says literally that he is in fear and he cries out the cry that every single one of us must cry out at some point. What must I do to be saved? In a sense, he is asking, what what must I do to have what you have? That's what he's asking. How is it that you sing in the midst of darkness? How is it that you have such joy How is it that you rest in such peace when I am in such torment and such misery? How is it that I can be saved? Paul responds, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I'm thankful for this next line that says that the gospel was shared. It says that they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house sat down and explained to them what happened. He and his whole family come to know the Lord. I've oftentimes thought about what, you know, as that scene moved from the jail, perhaps to the home at some point, when he comes home and his wife perhaps is what? Making breakfast early in the morning. Hey, honey, how is work today? Whoa. Sit down. I have someone with me. Think about what would have happened. I love the description automatically that someone who receives the Lord Jesus Christ has a desire to help and to serve those who are in need. It says what? That they took them and they washed their wounds. I think it's interesting to know that as they were washing their wounds, 
as they were perhaps wiping the dry blood off and they were seeing the cleanliness. And as the water was being splashed on, that it then moved somewhat into a discussion of baptism. And it says what? That the entire family went out and was baptized. I love this story. I don't have the time to read the, the next. Basically, not only are they freed from jail, but they are apologized to. And they go out. It's an amazing story. I don't know if you see and hear within these pages, within these words, the hope that exists. Can I ask you this? Do, do you know that hope? Can you trust in that kind of hope? In the darkness, the dark times? I love history. I love reading of people. I remember reading years ago of Corey Ten Boom. You know that she was a young woman who was arrested, her, her and her whole family, for hiding Jews. They were a Dutch family. They were arrested, and, and this whole story is told in the book, The Hiding Place. And her, her father and her brother, Bet, her sister Betsy, were actually killed in the camps. But there's a phrase in the very darkest and the very deepest, the, the, the worst time from the very depths of the Nazi prison camps. She wrote this statement that is well known today. No matter how deep our darkness, he, speaking of God, is deeper still. Think of that. This is someone that is writing from the worst, from the very depths. No matter how, how deep it is, he is deeper still. Remember that and trust in the hope that exists. Let me give you these couple points as we leave. Serving God will always bring opportunities to serve others. Okay, Just as Paul and Silas are going about preaching the gospel, they will inevitably have opportunity to do that in an amazing array of circumstances. Speaking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be upsetting to some who hear it. Be prepared for that. Don't be shocked by that. Understand it. Thirdly, singing and praising God will encourage your heart, but it will also always stir the hearts of those around you. When they were singing and praying to God, others were listening and witnessing that. Remember how much of an impact you have. Fourthly and finally, believing the Lord Jesus Christ will bring hope in the most hopeless of situations. I don't know about you, but I was very grateful for this text, for the privilege that I have of taking it apart. And as I was reading, I was studying, I was thinking about the, the words of the Apostle Peter. I'll leave you this in closing. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. says what? That you have been chosen by God. That, you're, that you are special, that you are unique, that you are holy, that you are to be set apart. But what is the purpose? It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous lights. That's what we do. As, as we leave God's house this day, we remember you have been called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous night. It may not be the, the, the darkness of a prison cell. It may be the darkness of our own sin. But by trusting in the God of the gospel, by putting our faith and our trust in him, we can enjoy the presence and the light that only God brings, that only God offers. Wonderful reminder from Acts chapter 16 that God takes even the worst things 
and they work together for his good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. Thank you for this reminder from Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for Paul and Silas who give to us a living example of how to respond and help us, Lord, to have strength through your Holy Spirit to respond like that. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to display a tiny portion of our gratitude to you by offering you our our voices, our hearts in worship to you this morning. Bless us. In your name we pray. Amen.